Hello, and welcome to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host and colony coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow in the historic arts village of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We provide uninterrupted residency time for writers of all genres, whether you're writing a novel, short stories, poetry, cookbooks, a script, a play, a grant, a sermon, a speech, whatever you are writing, you are welcome here without discrimination. During the Right Now at the Writer's Colony podcast, you will get to join me in conversation with some of the writers in residence. They come from all over the world, from all walks of life to create. You'll also come alongside me and talk with artists, writers, and visionaries of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and our local community. And together with some very special guests, we'll discover just what is happening right now at the Writer's Colony. So welcome, and thank you for listening. Welcome to this episode of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. Today you'll join me in my conversation with poet Wendy Taylor Carlisle. Eureka Springs is home to Wendy, and I am super fortunate to get to see her every Monday at the Writer's Colony when she meets with her writer's group. One time afterward, I had the honor of talking with Wendy and hearing her read some of the favorite poems she has written. In addition to her books, The Mercy of Traffic, Discount Fireworks, Reading Berryman to the Dog, and On the Way to the Promised Land Zoo, Wendy's poems have been published in multiple anthologies and in our literary magazine here at the Writer's Colony called Emerge. You can find out more about Wendy at wendytaylorcarlisle.com. So join me once upon a Monday with Wendy Taylor Carlisle. Tell me a little bit about you. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been a, a long life. Uh, and a colorful one. Um, I was born in New York City. I grew up in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, a long time ago, when I could ride my horse downtown. Oh, really? Across New River Bridge and tire to a parking meter and go into the five and down. No way. So that is a long time ago for anybody who's been to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And then uh, I moved to Central Florida and lived there for a while while they were making Disney World which was a pretty interesting thing yeah. in itself. Um, and then went to school. I had been going to college all along, junior college first, and then Rollins, and then I went to uh, Towson and graduated from Towson and left Baltimore looking for, I don't know, it, we went to look for America, and we found Eureka Springs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We sold our washer and dryer to a lady who said, I have a friend in Eureka Springs. Why don't you look her up? So we came and looked up Miss Wilma Ferguson, who turned out to be my best friend for for all my life till just a minute ago when she died at the age of 102. Wow. Wow. She taught me how to cook for a crowd. She taught me how to cook cheap for a crowd. Yeah. (laughs) She taught me uh, a lot of things. She was an amazing guide. Yeah. Um, And then I went back to school at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and got right up to my Ph.D. exams in history and and was diverted uh, 
by a trip to Paris. Oh. The trip to Paris came to nothing, and neither did the PhD. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was an important and interesting time in my life. And I moved back to Eureka. We had built a house here in 1980 okay. out, out on 108 on Buck Mountain. Um, and uh, I moved back there and and was happily living there until 1988 when I met my now husband, David, and he moved me to Texas. Oh, did y'all meet in Eureka Springs? Uh, we met in Fayetteville. And, okay. And actually, he moved in with me in Eureka Springs. Oh, okay. Um, it was, uh, he then had a job in Texarkana. He's a physician. Okay. And he got a practice in Texarkana, so we moved there. I got to tell you, you don't move this hillbilly. It's flat. flat. Yes. For the first six weeks, I lay up in the bed and watched Oprah and cried. Oh yeah. It was. uh, How long were you there? Interesting. Twenty-two years, and then one day, I said, "Honey, I love you. Come visit me at home." (laughs) (laughs) I've had I've had about all the Texas I can stand, and uh, about. Six months later, he was here full-time. He had retired. It was time for him to retire. I just... It was definitely time for me to retire. Yeah. Somewhere in there, uh, it, starting in 2000, um, I had been writing poetry all my life. From time? How, from how old, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I had something in the high school... Oh, yeah. Yeah, day. okay. My aunt sent off one of my poems to the New Yorker when I was about 15, and I was so crushed by the fact that the New Yorker didn't take a poem <laughs> by a 15 year <laughs> that I didn't try again for a while. Oh. But the poetry journey is quite separate from my personal journey because uh, when I was in school at Rollins... Um, I studied a little with Peter Clappert, and then when I came up to the University of Arkansas, I studied in the summers with Miller Williams, and I really hung out with the poets and the writers. It was more, it was easier for me to yeah. talk to them. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, life spun around, and my son almost died. Mm. And I spent about six weeks in a hotel in New York City going to St. Luke's Hospital every day. Oh, yeah. I say to make sure they didn't kill him, but um, that's unkind to St. Luke's. <laughs> they did save his life. And um, after that, I thought, this is nonsense. I'm going to do what I always wanted to do. Yeah. I kept thinking, I can't write poetry. I can't, you know, it will never support me. And uh, then I just had to do it. Yeah. So I, I went to my office... And for six weeks, I didn't go out. I hardly got out of my pajamas. And I rewrote everything I had written my entire life. I read a book of poetry every single day. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah. And uh, at the end of that time, I began, I took a tiny little course at that community college in Texarkana. And the woman talked about how to publish. So... Uh, I publish first in the places where they take everybody who sends in a poem. Yeah. As you will do. Yeah. If you're not a professional. Yeah. And uh, and then gradually I publish more and more. I went to workshops. 
I don't know, some, several years I went to seven workshops a year, you know, wow, I just, yeah. I studied with uh, Galway Cannell and I studied with uh, Lucille Clifton and I studied with Naomi Shihab Nye and I, you know, yeah. whoever was out, Billy Collins, uh, Yusuf Komenyaka, whoever was out there who was giving a two-week course or a ten-day course or a one-week course, I went and listened to what they had to say. And then in 2000, I thought, okay, I've got to really do this like I meant it. And I went to graduate school um, at Vermont. The wonderful David Jouse, who's a uh, fiction writer, but also writes poetry. Uh, I had gone to the university in Little Rock uh, to take a course in form and theory, because I thought, okay, I have to learn. I have to be able to do this. Right. Like... You know, before you eat with your hands, you have to learn to eat with a fish fork. So right. I thought, okay, right, right. I'm going to do this. I'm right. gonna. And uh, when I had finished that course with him, he said, why don't you think about it? graduate school and why don't you think about this one? And it's a limited residency, which means you are in residency twice a year. And then you have a mentor. Uh-huh. And uh, I had the extraordinary good luck of having Jack Myers, uh, an amazing Texas poet and a, a Zen master, yeah. <laughs> as my first real mentor. And what he said was, I had published my first book by that point, and he said, you're a poet, why are you here? And I said, oh no, I'm not a poet yet. <laughs> but he gave me a seat at the table. Yeah. And having a, that is, Many of us, as writers, have a problem with the fraud syndrome. Mm. You know, why? I'm not the real deal or something like that. Yeah, you get things published, and by this time I have published, I think the last time I checked, it was 594 individual poems. Wow. I've been in 12 anthologies, I've published four books and five chapbooks, and I still say... Oh well, maybe, maybe not really. Or, really? You know, really? Oh, yeah. 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 If, if you once you start thinking you're the real deal, then I, I think you lose the magic. Yeah. I yeah. always want. I, I'm always looking for the next perfect poem. Let's pause our conversation with poet Wendy Taylor Carlisle in order to listen to Wendy read one of her poems. We have a neighbor named Larry. Actually, my favorite Larry poem. Larry Chavich lives down the street from us. And Larry is a good neighbor in the sense of a country good neighbor. Yeah. If something's broken, he'll help you fix it. Yeah, yeah. If something needs building, he'll build. He's kind and, uh, and gentle and, and proper in the way country folk are proper. He makes a garden every summer and I cook and he comes and eats with us. It's it's pretty wonderful. And yeah. so in every book, in, this is my first book from 2000, in every book of mine there is a Larry poem. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, it just shows up, you know, how it does. Uh, this is, uh, wow, 20 years ago I wrote this poem. Mm. Naked for Larry. 
The fall, your father died, all the leaves came down in a three-day rainstorm. It was a damn fine storm. The rain steady one day into the next, while leaves fell slow and constant, regular as raindrops. The last haying finished weeks before. Farmers at the co-op had nothing to do but rock and spit and watch the trees strip till they were naked against the carpeted fields. You were 34 the year those wet hills unrolled, glossy as a calendar picture, and you took your father's cancer like you did the weather. Under the dripping eaves, your chair tipped back, you talked about the hay, but you seemed slighter, more like a boy, as if your father's passing gave you back childhood, stripped you, washed you down, as if he fathered you dying, and you could be naked then, being his son. Wow. Let's get back to our conversation with poet Wendy Taylor Carlisle. I'm Chad Gurley, and you're listening to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. So why poetry? I don't know. The little voices talk to me in poetry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is, uh, I I am a student of the muse. Yeah. Uh, When I begin to read poetry, then I begin to hear poetry in in my surroundings, in my head. Um, every poem surprises me. Oh, oh, did it mean to say that? And sometimes I will work on a poem for years until the poem gets to say what it means. Interesting. That sounds like, uh, I mean, that has similarities with playwriting in some respects, just in the sense of hearing the character, hearing the voice. Yes. And, and I, when I first started studying poetry a- ages ago, like in the 70s, um, there it, it was a big thing about finding your voice. And I thought, oh, I'll never find my voice. And suddenly I realized, yeah, I stopped thinking about it. Suddenly I realized, oh, there it is. I mean, I've, I've had it all along. Mm. Whose voice are you going to have but your own voice? Right. You know, people say they don't want to be influenced by other poets so they don't read them. Listen, if I could write as well as Elizabeth Bishop, well, then I don't mind being influenced. (laughs) You know, that's just crazy to me uh, to to believe that you can be influenced out of your own voice. My my little voices talk to me in a certain way, you know, all the time. And uh, what do you what what do you write about? I write about here. I write about. Where I am. I'm a vernacular poet. I'm a poet of place. Okay. I'm a little bit of political poet sometimes, but it's kind of that twisted politics that you have to look really hard for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't wave a flag. I don't exclaim. Uh, I try... F- I was going to say, I try to, for all my poems to have a deeper meaning, but you know... I just listen to the voices, and the voices say, put this down. Yeah. And then I use everything I've learned about the form and, and the way poetry passes on the page. Right. And then I, I revise. And as I told you before, sometimes I will revise for years. Yeah, yeah. 
And so it's, it, would you say that something inspires you or it just kind of comes to you? Is it like a Sometimes it's epiphanies? a sentence. Okay. Sometimes it's something that someone says to me. Sometimes it's something that I read. Sometimes it's a string of words, three mm-hmm. or four words. I keep a notebook and then I go back to the notebooks and very often it's just like starting a, starting a, a timer or something. You hmm. know, you get three or four words and then the next one comes and the next one comes. A metronome maybe. Yeah. Tick, tick, yeah. tick, tick. Yeah. And, and uh, metrics has always been easy for me. I could always write those occasional poems, you know, we're having a party, da 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 da. You know, right, right, I've always right, been able to do that. Right. Um, I, I don't know why poetry, uh, because at its best, it is so exquisite. Mm-hmm. You know, you have only you have only to read Auden's uh, eulogy for Yeats to to know how wonderful uh, stop all the clocks mm-hmm. uh, to know how wonderful it can be mm-hmm. and how it can transport you to another place mm-hmm. uh, another place emotionally sometimes another place physically almost mm-hmm. oh. do you write for yourself or do you write for others or is it kind of a both and that's a very interesting question because it doesn't occur to me to think in that way. Right. Um, I write what I have to write. When people say, I want you to write a poem about, it makes me crazy. <laughs> I can't, you know, I may have a poem that's about that, but uh, asking me to write a poem about that, about any specific thing... Um, so, um, uh, so I don't I don't do occasional poetry. Yeah. Although you know, like everybody else, after nine eleven, I had a nine eleven poem. Well, me too. I had a yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Has. You know, the occasion is so great. Right. But on the occasion of someone's marriage or something, I've written an epithalamian or two, but they aren't very wonderful. Mm. I think you know. It's like a Villanelle. Villanelle has to take you and dance you around. You can't dance the Villanelle. Mm. <laughs> Did, um, so you have a new book of poetry out, right? Two new this year. Two new this year. Okay, what are, what are they? Maybe Tell crazy. us. <laughs> I will show you. Uh, you may recognize the logo on this book. <laughs> because the it's the logo Zoo. for the Promised Land Zoo in Missouri. Oh, really? Wow. This is from an Indian publisher who solicited me to write this book. Wow. I have no idea how he found my work. I have no idea why he wants a vernacular poet from the Ozarks. Uh, Just, he said, do you have a book? And I put him off for a long time. And then I asked my publisher, Jonathan, I said, okay, is this guy on the level? And he said... He looked over all the materials. He said, it looks like it's on the level to me. Um, and I, I wrote the guy and I said, how much is this going to cost me? And he said, nothing. Wow, yeah. Yeah. You have to buy write, writer's copies of the book so you can sell them. Right. Uh, but 
I thought, well, what do I have to lose? Yeah. So, and he's just written and asked if I'll give him another book. So did he come up with the title of it? No, or he no, said, no. no, I just want a book of poetry. He said he wanted a book of poetry. I titled it, uh, and I actually sent the cover. They wouldn't put a cover on it. But I thought, you know, it was about that. Yeah. And what's the other book that you And the other about? book, this is this I'm excited about because... My last book before Mercy, The Mercy of Traffic. My last book before Mercy was in 2008. Okay. So this is just, you know, I was so I was so pleased to have this book and I am so delighted with it and I love my publisher who Jonathan Penton of Unlikely Books who is funny and kind and uh you know, he's he's been behind me. He's been publishing my poetry in his journal since 1999. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, last year, 18 months ago, he said, I think it's time for us to make a book. Good. So I, said, I think I can make a book. Let's pause our conversation with poet Wendy Taylor Carlisle in order to listen to Wendy read one of her poems. I'm going to read another Larry poem. Oh, good, good, good. Um... Because we had a little piece of that needed to to have some stonework, and so we asked Larry if he would come and put some stones in between one walkway and another, and he came to do that, and, uh, and this is what happened. Okay. Cuts. Larry cuts stone in a humming cloud of birds. It is hot. He is patient. The birds are hungry. They zoom around him like animate drones as the patio emerges from a jumble of rock. How does he do it? Patiently, with string and level. I am confounded by this skill, being an expert in the surface cut only, in splinter removal, in the self-inflicted wound. Larry saw drones. My husband and I feed the hummingbirds, tiny blast furnaces all through the hot months. Sugar and water, sugar and water disappear down their ruby throats. Larry works patiently, week into week, finishes, packs his tools, and goes. We think the birds should be gone now as well. Fall is fewer than 10 days away. We silently urge them to fly south as they buzz the windows, not ready to leave their just paved patio. We fill the feeders for what we promise ourselves will be the last time, forgetting how beautiful they were, circling Larry's head like a crown. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Let's get back to our conversation with poet Wendy Taylor Carlisle. I'm Chad Gurley, and you're listening to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. What would you what what advice would you give to beginning poets? Okay, I get up every morning and go to the computer. Yeah. Sometimes I get up at six, uh, sometimes I get up at seven, I get up and go to the computer. And I do something. If the muse isn't visiting me, I I uh, revise something. Yeah. I read a book of poetry all the time. I've yeah. always got one that I'm reading because, I don't know, it inspires something. It moves something in me to do that. 
But I don't treat this as if it was a part-time thing. I treat this as if this is my life and the rest of it is a part-time thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And uh, I... You never know if it's any good. Um, Berryman asked Merwin, or maybe it was the other way around, you know, how can I know if this is any good? Berryman asked Merwin. And Merwin said, if you have to know, you can't do it. Wow, yeah. You have to have always that feeling that, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, and because there haven't been, I haven't had a writing group until this writing group here at the, at the center at, at Derry Hollow House. I've just done this on my own, pretty much. Um, I never had a first reader until these guys. Yeah, and how is that? Oh, I love. Nobody really writes poetry. Selena writes some poetry, but. Um, but we have fiction writers here most right, right fiction and memoir and they're really good sometimes you just have to say it out loud to somebody yeah to have to know that uh, I'm really grateful for DHAs for giving us this space and for being so welcoming and for lifting us up as a community yeah because the people who come here this is like me going somewhere else for a, a writing right, thing, whatever. Right. People who come here uh, have all these wonderful advantages, but the people who live here, you have made that available to us too. And how wonderful is that? Yeah, I'm it's really- it's um, it's we just there's so much talent in this community that I really feel like a wellspring of 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 creativity is here and to support it makes all the difference oh it really does because i have uh, i have said traditionally that this is uh, a community for graphic artists for people yeah. who paint or, yeah. but that writers have no room here uh but that isn't true no yeah that isn't true at all i mean we're here we're just hidden in our little hidey holes yeah back in the woods <laughs> however <laughs> well, know. thank you so much, Wendy, for being here, and thank you for reading. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, that'll about do it for this episode of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host, as well as Colony Coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Derry Hollow. On behalf of Michelle Hannon, our Executive Director, Yana Jones, our Chef and Housekeeper, as well as our amazing board members, I want to say thank you for listening. I hope that you will tune in again to our next episode. There's a lot going on in 2020 at the Writers' Colony, and we're excited that you're along for the ride. Until next time, Writers Rule. Writers Rule.